what will you have? You're now tuned in to Marcus Ways. We just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darnetta has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. What's happening, Starship Captains? How is my far, far away family doing today? Things are going really great on this side of the galaxy. Thanks to all of y'all. Sway and Lightsaber Radio are climbing the charts. So thank you from all of us at the Sway Cast Network. We couldn't do it without y'all. I wanted to remind everyone that after we finish the rule of two, the whole podcast is getting a makeover. New name and daily content. We are still going to be covering the books. That's not ever going to change. But we are reforming the way that we do it. Instead of long format shows where we cover an entire chapter, we are going to do shorter episodes that cover a smaller part. That way we can get more in-depth and understanding of each part. And it will allow us to give you more episodes in a week. Monday through Friday, you will get a new episode of the show, and you can't beat that with a gaffy stick. Daily content is always the best. Right now, we are doing just over 30 minutes of content a week. This will actually boost it up to about an hour of content a week. So you will be actually getting more content. And in my opinion, more is always better. Okay, enough of all that. We need to get back to Darth Bane. Because when we left off last week, Bane and Xana had just defeated the Jedi. But it had come with a cost. At the end of the battle, right when Bane was about to fry Johan, one of the other Jedi's, War, put a force bubble around Bane. Now, in all technical terms, Bane had just electrocuted himself. And Xana was standing there looking at what she believes is her dead master. So let's see what's happening now. When Xana first reached Bane's side, she was sure her master was dead. The lightning had reduced his clothes to ash, and his gloves and boots had melted away. The flesh of his face and hands was charred and burned, covered with blisters that oozed a runny yellow pus. Several of the parasites on his chest and stomach hadn't survived. Their brown shells turned black and brittle by the lightning's electrical charge. Wisps of still-smoldering smoke crept out from beneath their shells, bringing with it a sickly stench that made Xana's stomach churn. Then she saw Bane's chest rise and fall, his breath so shallow and faint she had almost missed them. He must have slipped into unconsciousness as his body went into shock from the unbearable pain. She paused, half expecting to see his seared skin and tissue begin to regenerate. But his injuries exceeded even the ability of the orbalisks to heal him, and nothing happened. The sound of a door opening made her turn her head, glancing up to see Daravid emerging from his hiding place. He looked around at the carnage in the room, then saw Xana crouched over her master. Is he? He left the question hanging in the air. He's alive, she said angrily, rising to her feet. Daravid slowly walked over to her side, cradling Belia's holocron and the data card against his sternum with his good hand. Xana reached out and snatched them away when he drew close. He didn't seem to notice. His eyes transfixed by the charred husk at her feet that was somehow still alive. Get the lightsabers, she commanded. We're leaving. Daravid had the good sense not to question her orders, but went to gather the weapons of the fallen Jedi, trophies of the Sith Triumph on Tython. Xana stuffed the holocron and data card away in the pockets of her clothing then took a deep breath to focus her mind. She reached out with the force and lifted Bane's body off the ground, levitating it at waist height. She carried her master this way from the fortress and outside, Daravid following closely behind her. She briefly considered which ship they should use to take them from Tython, then settled on the Loranda. In addition to being larger, it was also equipped with a full medical bay, 
Open the cargo bay, she ordered, nodding her head in the direction of the vessel. Daravit raced ahead and did as she instructed, while Xana slowly lifted her master up and into the ship. Once aboard, they hooked Bane up to a back-to-pump. His injuries probably required complete submersion in a back-to-tank for several days, but she didn't have access to those kind of facilities. A back-to-pump was the next best thing. It injected a heavy dose of the fluid directly into his veins, circulating it through the body, then filtering it out, only to repeat the process. He's stable, Daravid said, but he won't be for long. When an orbalisk dies, it poisons the host. You read the information on the disk, she said. Get them off him. Even if I did, it wouldn't help, Daravid told her, relaying what he had learned from the disk. It's too late. The orbalisks release toxins into the host's tissue the instant they die. It breaks down the cells at a microscopic level. He'll be dead in a matter of days. You're a criffing healer! She shouted, help him. I can't, Xana, he said softly. Not here. We don't have the proper equipment or supplies. And even if we did, there's nothing I can do. Once the orbalisk toxin enters the host, there's no way to stop its progress. You can't die yet, Xana thought bitterly, chewing on her lip. There's so much more you have to teach me. Her master's power was still far greater than her own. She had the potential to surpass Bane. He had told her so himself. But right now, he still possessed a strength she could only aspire to. There were secrets he had not yet shared with her. Keys to unlocking even greater power than she now possessed. If he died, that knowledge was lost. It was possible she might one day succeed in discovering it on her own, with Bane as her master, success was assured. But what he still had to teach her went far beyond her ability to harness the energies of the dark side. For the past decade, she had been focused only on learning to control her own power. Over that same time, her master had begun to assemble the pieces that would one day allow the Sith to rise up and rule the galaxy. He'd created a vast network of spies and informants, but Xana had no idea as to its true extent, or even how to contact them. He had put into motion a hundred long-range plans to slowly build their strength while weakening the Republic. Yet she was only just now beginning to understand the scope and complexity of his political machinations. Bane was a visionary, able to see far into the future. He understood how to exploit the weaknesses and vulnerabilities of the Republic. He knew how to draw the eyes of the Jedi away from the dark side, while at the same time leading them down the first steps of the long road that would end in their complete annihilation. He could manipulate people, organizations, and governments, planting seeds that would lay dormant for years, even decades, before they burst forth. If he died now, everything he had put into place over the last ten years died with him. Xana would have to start at the beginning. She would have to find and train an apprentice, even as she was still learning the full extent of her own abilities. She would be stumbling blindly forward, beset by enemies on all sides. 
It was almost impossible to imagine she wouldn't make a mistake that would lead to her downfall and the extinction of the Sith. She couldn't allow that to happen. For the sake of their order, she had to keep him alive. And though Daravit might not have the knowledge and power to heal her master, she knew someone who did. Someone who had saved his life once before. Make sure he lives, she said to Daravit, an implied threat in her tone. Leaving the medical bay, she marched to the cockpit and sat down behind the controls. She punched in a course for Ambria, but she wasn't heading back to their camp. She was going to see a man called Kaleeb. Okay, so Bane ain't dead just yet, but he's definitely on the way. The lightning had fried him. It was so bad, his boots and gloves had melted off. His face and hands were charred and burnt, and he had a bunch of blisters that had pus and nasty stuff coming out of them. And he smelled like how you would think a zombie smelled. It stunk so bad that Xana almost threw up. Some of the orbalists had died, causing them to change color. And when one of these crustaceans die, they release poison into the host's body. So Bane ain't dead, but he is definitely dying. Xana tells Derevit to get the orbalist off her master. But Derevit tells her it will not help. Even if he removes the orbalist, there is nothing that he can do to stop the toxins. And he doesn't have the proper equipment to get them off anyway. Now this is the messed up part. And how you know Xana is a real and true Sith. She doesn't care about the well-being of her master. The only reason she wants to save him is because there's stuff about the dark side that he still needs to teach her, and she doesn't have the time to find it out for herself. Plus, Bane had implemented hundreds of schemes that were designed to weaken the Republic, and Xana didn't know any of them or any of his contacts, so she would have to start from scratch. Sounds to me like Xana's just lazy. But at this point, Xana tells Derevit that they're leaving. Then Xana uses the force to pick her master up and carry him. When they finally get on board the ship, they hook him up to a back to pump. He needs to be submerged in the back of the tank, but the ship didn't have one, and Derevit couldn't do anything to help him. So she needed to find someone that could heal, and she knew of the man that had helped him before. So back to Ambria to find the healer, Khalid. Though Khalid's camp was less than 100 kilometers from their own on Ambria, Xana had never met him. She knew him only from the tales of her master. Bane had told her the healer was strong in the force, but he didn't draw on it the same way the Sith or Jedi did. Light side and dark side had no meaning for him. His was the power of nature. Her master's words hadn't made sense at the time. But as they came into land near the tiny, dilapidated shack Khalib called home, she began to understand. There was power in this place. It called to her, but in a strange and unfamiliar language. She could smell it in the air when the cargo doors of their ship opened, and she could feel it beneath her feet when she jumped down from the ship. With each step she took, the ground seemed to vibrate, humming with a sound too quiet to hear, but deep enough that she could feel it in the back of her teeth. Daravit walked behind her, manipulating the controls that guided the Loranda's medical gurney. It floated along beside him, supporting Bane's still unconscious form. As he had been when Xana brought him forth from the Leah stronghold, her master was once again being unceremoniously transported, like cargo, hovering a meter above the ground. This time, however, he was supported by repulsor lifts, rather than the Force. This place is amazing, Daravid breathed. I've never felt anything like this before. So raw. 
Xana recalled that even though he lacked the power of the Jedi or Sith, her cousin was also attuned to the Force. She briefly wondered if it was possible that he shared the same type of talent as Kaleeb, then decided it made no difference why she was here. Four days had passed since they'd left Tython, and Bane had grown steadily weaker. If they didn't find help for him here, her master would die. Judging from her first glance, she didn't hold out much hope for his salvation. As was common on Ambria, they were surrounded on all sides by a desolate, arid wasteland, stretching out as far as the eye could see. The only features of the landscape, other than a few scattered rock outcroppings, were Kaleeb's shack and fire pit. The camp appeared to be deserted. The shack was small, a few meters on each side. The walls were angled at 45 degrees, meeting at a peak in the center, making the structure resemble a crudely built pyramid. Where or how Kaleeb had acquired the wood was impossible to say, but it was obvious he hadn't replaced it any time recently. The timber was faded and bleached by years in the sun, and though it wouldn't rot in Ambria's dry climate, hundreds of long vertical cracks had formed in the grain as the moisture was leached away. On the wall facing the fire pit was a small doorway leading into the hut. A tattered blanket hung down across it, fluttering slightly in the desert wind. The fire pit was nothing more than a small circle of round stones, scorched and blackened from years of smoke and flame. A metal stand supported a large iron pot over the center of the circle for cooking, though the pot was empty and the fire was cold. Xana remembered from Bane's tale how Kaleeb had plunged his own hand into the pot when it was filled with boiling soup, scalding himself to prove to her master he feared no pain and couldn't be threatened or intimidated. Ten years ago, the healer had initially refused to heal her master, though ultimately, Bane had compelled him by threatening the life of Kaleeb's daughter. Xana wondered if, should they find him, he would refuse to help Bane again. Hello? Darvid called out, his voice sounding small in the emptiness all around them. Hello? Xana moved slowly to the ramshackle hut and drew back the blanket in the door. The only thing inside was a small sleeping mat in the corner. She stepped back from the door, peering out at the empty wasteland surrounding the camp to see if there was anywhere else Kaleeb might have gone. Darvid mimicked her actions, then offered up the only logical conclusion. Nobody's here. It wasn't just Kaleeb that was missing, Xana had to admit. Where were the medicines the healer would use to cure those who sought his aid? Where were the basic supplies? Food, water, fuel for the fire. He would need to survive. She recalled that Kaleeb had come to Ambria to escape the war between the Jedi and the Sith. Unfortunately for him, the war had eventually followed him even to this remote world. Yet the healer had maintained a steadfast neutrality during the conflict, refusing to aid followers of either the dark side or the light. Only Bane had successfully compelled him to make an exception to his rule. Maybe with the end of the war, he had renounced his solitary ways and returned to the world of his birth, reintegrating himself into galactic society. It was just one of several possibilities that would explain his disappearance. He could have died, it had been ten years since Bane had visited the camp, and though Kaleeb couldn't be that old, it was possible something had happened to him in the ensuing decade. Ambria could be a harsh and dangerous world. The healer might have been slain and devoured by the Hussis, the fearsome carnivorous lizards that sometimes emerge from the depths of Lake Nath to feed. The planet had its share of sentient predators, too. 
The handful of people who still live in the world survived by picking through the remains of the battles that had once raged over its surface and in the skies above. Finding damaged items and old technology, they could restore and sell off-world. Most of the junkers, as they were called, were simple folk just trying to get by. But a few had become desperate criminals, willing to kill over anything of value, like Kaleeb's missing collection of medicine and supplies. Or maybe the healer had fallen victim to some disease or affliction even he couldn't cure. If he had died of natural causes, it wouldn't take long until the various desert scavengers carried off the last of his remains, leaving behind no evidence of what had happened. It was clear there was no help to be found here, but there was no point in going anywhere else. Bane had a day at most before the orbalisk toxins reached lethal levels in the tissues of his body. Xana simply stood there, unable to even think what she should do next. And then she remembered another detail from her master's tale. Kaleeb had tried to conceal his daughter from Bane. Her master had easily discovered her cowering inside the shack. There was no other place to hide in the small camp. At least, there hadn't been ten years ago. Wait here, she said to Daravid, leaving him to watch over Bane on his gurney. She went back into the shack, kicking the sleeping mat aside to reveal a small trap door in the floor. She used the force to fling it open, and was rewarded with the sight of a man staring up at her from a small cellar. His expression wasn't one of fear, nor even anger. Not exactly. He looked more like he was weary, as if he knew his discovery was going to lead to a long and tedious exchange. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. Out, Xana said, stepping back and dropping her hand to the handle of her lightsaber. Without a word, he climbed up the cellar's small ladder until he stood beside her inside the shack. He looked to be in his late forties, a thin man of average height. He had straight black hair that hung down to his shoulders, and his skin was brown and leathery from a decade of exposure to Ambria's burning sun. There was nothing about his appearance to suggest he was a man of power or importance, yet Xana could sense his calm inner strength. Do you know who I am? She asked him. I've known ever since you and your master built your camp on this world, he said quietly. And you know why I'm here. I sensed you coming. That was why I hid. She peeked down into the cellar, noting that it contained a number of small shelves lined with bottles, bags, jars, and pouches that held the medicines and healing compounds he used in his vocation. There were also a number of ration kits piled in one corner, along with a handful of small square supply containers. When did you build that? She asked, curious. Shortly after my previous encounter with your master, he answered. I feared he would one day come back, and I wanted a place for my daughter to hide. The man suddenly smiled at her, though there was no joy or mirth in the expression. But now my daughter has grown, he told her. She has left this world never to return, 
and you have no power over me. Are you saying you will not help my master? Zana asked, not even bothering to put a threat into her voice. There is nothing you can do to compel me this time, he replied, and she sensed a deep satisfaction in his tone. She realized he had been preparing for this day for over ten years. The war between the Jedi and Sith is over, Zana told him. My master is no longer a soldier. He is just an ordinary man who needs your help. The man smiled again, flashing his teeth in a feral grin. Your master will never be ordinary, though soon enough, you will be dead. One glanced down at the man's hand, permanently scarred by the burns he had given himself plunging into the boiling soup, made Xana dismiss any ideas of using torture to change his mind, and she knew that any attempt to dominate his mind with the Force would fail. His will was too strong for her to bend it to her needs. I can give you credits. You'll be richer than you can possibly imagine. He waved his hands around at the austere little shack. What use are credits to a man like me? What about your daughter? Zana countered. Think of how much easier her life could be. Even if I wanted to let my child take your blood payment, I could never find a way to get it to her. For her own protection, I insisted she change her name when she left this world. I do not know what she is called now. I do not know where she has gone. Zana chewed her lip, then tried something desperate. If you do not help my master, I will hunt your daughter down. I will find her, torture her, and kill her. She vowed, carefully hitting each word for emphasis. But first, I will make her watch as I torture and kill every other person she cares about. Kaleeb smirked, amused at her empty threat. Go then. Seek her out and leave me alone. We both know you will never find her. Again, he had her. With no name, and not even a physical description, it would be impossible to track down one woman who could be on any of a million Republic worlds. Scowling, Xana glanced once more down at his scarred hand. It stood as mute testament to the fact she couldn't break him through raw physical pain, no matter how brutal. But with no other options left, she decided to try anyway. She reached out with the force and picked Kaleeb up. His feet dangled only a few centimeters off the floor, yet his head brushed against the shack's low, slanted roof. She began to squeeze, applying pressure directly to his internal organs, slowly crushing them as she inflicted an agonizing pain few beings had ever experienced. She was careful to leave his lungs alone, however, allowing him enough air to breathe and speak. You know how to make this end, she said coldly. Say you will heal my master. He grunted and gasped in pain, but shook his head. Zana, what are you doing? Darvid had come into the shack, curious as to what was taking her so long. Now he stood in the doorway, staring in horror at the scene. Stop it! He shouted at her. You're killing him! Put him down! With a sharp growl of frustration, she released her grip, letting Khalid fall to the floor. Darvid rushed to his side to see if he was okay, but the older man shook his head and waved him away. He rose to his hands and knees, then settled back into his heels, his hands resting on his thighs as he took slow, deep breaths. Darvid turned on her. What did you do that for? 
he demanded angrily. He refused to help us, she said, her voice more defensive than she meant it to be. I will not release that monster on the galaxy a second time, Kaleeb declared, his teeth still clenched against the lingering effects of Xana's torture. There is nothing you can do to make me save him. Xana dropped to one knee beside him. I can use my powers to conjure up your worst nightmares and bring them to life before your eyes, she whispered. I can drive you mad with fear, shred your sanity, and leave you a raving lunatic for the rest of your life. Darabit just stared at her, shocked by her words. Khalib only smiled his infuriating smile. If you do, the healer calmly replied. Your master will still die. Xana chewed her lip, glaring at him. Then she leapt to her feet and stormed out of the cabin, leaving Daravid and Kaleeb alone. Even though Xana and Bane had lived not that far from Kaleeb, she had never met the healer. Bane had told her that he was strong in the force, but he didn't draw his power from the light or the dark. He pulled his power from nature. And as soon as they landed, Xana could feel the force, but it was different than she was used to. Okay, this is the problem that I have with this part. She lived on this planet. So how has she never ran across this man before? That's number one. And number two is, how has she not felt the difference in the force before? I didn't get how that was possible, but really what do I know? Now at this point, it had been four days since Bane had been wounded, and he had just gotten worse as the time had passed. So Xana had to find this healer quick and convince him to help her master, which wasn't going to be easy. Bane had told her when Kaleeb helped him before, it was only because he had threatened his doctor. Kaleeb himself was not afraid of pain or death, but as she entered his shack, there was nothing there, no signs of the healer. After a little bit of searching, Xana had found the man hiding under a fake floor panel. After he had climbed out of the hole, she started trying to persuade the man to heal Bane, but there was nothing to threaten the man with. His daughter was gone, he didn't even know where she was at. He told her to change her name, so he didn't even know what her name was. Xana was up a creek without a paddle, so she figured, what the heck, and she starts to torture him anyway. This is when Derivit comes into the hut and pleads for her to stop. So finally she did as her cousin asked. But then she threatens Khalid with some cis sorcery. She told him that she would drive him mad. But Khalid is a gangster because he just said, and your master will still die. And that's where this part comes to an end. It wasn't the worst part of the book. I kind of enjoyed hearing Xana worry, not knowing what she was going to do. As strong as the Sith are, they still need others from time to time. Okay, let's get to the quote for this week. And it comes to us from Khalid. Not his words, but his actions and what they said. If something is strong enough to bring you down, show it you are strong enough to get back up. The world will try to tell you it can't be done. It will attack you mentally and physically. But like Khalid did to Xana, no matter the pain and suffering you have to endure, as long as you get back up, the world cannot beat you. No hardship or suffering will ever be enough to break you. It might be hard, but you will overcome every obstacle that the world throws at you as long as you stand on what you believe is right Okay, that's all the time we have for today. Join us next week for part 23 of Darth Bane, Rule of Two. We hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Sway. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can find us and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shit and is a production of Pick Film Media. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel, sound designed by Theodore Thompson, researched by Tammy Turner. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.